This is Cyber Defense Radio with your host and cybersecurity expert, Gary Malefsky. Gary brings to you another globally recognized cybersecurity executive in the hot seat today. Sitting in my hot seat today is a very special guest, a busy man. Kamal Piskin is the Chief Information Security Officer of Linquist, L-I-N-Q-U-E-S-T.com. And Linquist is one of the top government contractors for all things in excellence for production of things that go up there into space. What an exciting interview this is going to be. Kamal, welcome to the hot seat today. Thank you. Glad to be here. So tell me, um, as a chief information security officer of a company that contracts to the government, and you know some of the past breaches where uh, supply chain breaches were issues, is that an area you worry about the most, or are there other areas that you feel are you know, more important threat exploit vectors that cyber criminals are coming after you on? Yeah, that's, I mean, supply chain is definitely a critical uh, piece to everything that we do. Um, but, you know, we we try to look at everything holistically um, from, you know, how we handle information, how we process information, how we, pre- you know, protect it. Um, as, as you probably know, um, in the defense sector, there's quite a bit of um, cybersecurity compliance that we need to adhere to. Um, and that's constantly uh, maturing and, and um, changing. You know, the landscape is changing. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, that's definitely a key piece to uh, what we do. We want to make sure that, you know, what we're providing our customers does what it says it does. Um, and we can trust that, you know, it's, it's going to work within the tolerances we say that it's supposed to work within. Does that mean you really have to worry about protecting software development and, and hard, software and hardware engineering or designs and architectural information, diagrams, proprietary things, patented things? Uh, yeah, not only our customers' information, but our information, you know, our secret sauce, uh, all the things that go into it, things that are proprietary that, you know, we come up with for our customers um, that go into, uh, you know, putting putting those things up up in the air. Um, yeah, absolutely. And that that's those are critical components of what we do every day. So Kamal, would the basics be, you know, must do multi-factor authentication and must encrypt data? Are there certain basics? Yeah, cybersecurity, uh, maturity model certification. Yes. Yes, CMMC. Um, And that's been, yeah, like I said, like I uh, alluded to earlier, that that maturation process, there's been some changes through CMMC, um, you know, modifying some of the things, but um, as you said, you know, multi-factor authentication, encryption and transit and at rest uh, are key components to that, um, you know, FIPS validated products uh, that should be used, um, you know, so all of those kinds of things are key pieces that go into it along with everything else, uh, you know, like logging, monitoring, um, having uh, good security practices and policies in place. Um, so even though, you know, you do have multi-factor authentication, you still want to have strong um, identity and um, authentication management, um, you know, that goes into it as well. Now, post-COVID, most companies allowed employees to work from home in mass. We went from maybe two or three percent telecommuters, which, you know, it's been a dream in, in cybersecurity and computing 
that you know telecommuting should grow and grow. I remember the good old days where they were modems, as you might recall, and we were excited to be on a bulletin board at a low speed. Now we've got the light speed cloud and 52% of our employees are working from home. Has that changed the dynamics on how you have to secure your organization? I think we were in a pretty good position with, from an architectural perspective of the services that we provide. However, um, you know, we went to uh, a highly perimeterized um, framework to definitely a deperimeterized framework in the sense that, you know, we had users now working from home. Uh, they weren't working on site within within our normal network infrastructure. Um, however, you know, we did have a lot of um, protections in place that protected our systems, whether, you know, wh wherever they're operating from. Um, I think we did make a few adjustments to our, like our VPN capabilities, um, you know, opening, opening up a few more um, sites to log in and things like that to handle capacity. Uh, by and large, we were in a pretty good position already to support it. And it went fairly smoothly as we transitioned. The, the larger part of it was, uh, as you would guess, you know, we have a lot of folks who work uh, on site with our federal customers. Um, and they were, they became actually kind of open to the idea of those workers being able to work remotely as well. Um, so that really kind of opened up the spigot of, you know, now we don't have people working on base. We have a lot of people working from home and how, how do we protect that information at home? So we did modify some policies, made things really kind of clearer for our, um, employees to make sure they understood what they should do, you know, treating your, um, home office office, like your regular office, so to speak, um, you know, how do you protect information at home um, and, and making sure that we extended that, that reach, that policy and technical control reach um, outside the perimeter as well. And do you see any kinds of exploits or attacks that you can share with our viewers and listeners that you should say, you know, that we could say to them, hey, folks, be prepared. It's business email compromise or crypto jacking or ransomware. Are there things you're finding that are really, you know, the, the majority of the attack vectors lately? Well, from a very broad perspective, you know, the, the vectors are still very, very much the same that they've been 10, 15, 20 years, you know, email, uh, you know, phishing, uh, account, um, you know, compromise, uh, exploitation of vulnerabilities. Um, I, I think the thing that is, is a little different though now is the, number of reported vulnerabilities, you know, they're increasing 10, 15, 20% year over year. Um, you know, the last year was a record for zero days, which, you know, that's really scary, right? We kind of had zero days at a very kind of um, uh, controllable level, you know, 20 to 30 zero day exploits that you had to really jump through hoops and try to expedite patching for. Last year was 83 or 84 zero days. Um, you, so you're constantly dealing with those and looking over your shoulder and trying to make sure that all of your assets are protected. And unfortunately, in a business environment, you can't always protect all of your assets. You know, you might have legacy aspect, assets or whatever, and you've got to think through, okay, what can I do to protect those, you know, further isolate them or have compensating controls or monitor more frequently. Um, so I would say from that aspect, the volume has really been turned up.
Um, so even though we're looking at a lot of the same types of things, uh, ransomware, of course, has been around for a while. Um, but, you know, that's always typically precluded with somebody trying to load, you know, a remote access tool or something like that with their with their um, malware. So um, I would just say the volume has definitely been turned up way higher. Wow. Than and in recent Kamal, you're talking about not the zero day exploits, but the zero day vulnerabilities that can then be exploited because yeah. the bad guys figure out this hole first and then they write the, the malware or the exploit. And so the point I think you're making, which is really important, and I, I've noticed this for a while, you know, why is the computer science department not tied in with the cybersecurity department at the university? <laughs> like, why, why isn't Secure Coding 101 part of CS? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's, there's a, there's always a challenge, you know, in the business area to be first to market, right? So you, you've, you're always weighing that out. Um, if you're making sure that your code is, is the most secure, probably not going to be the first one out there to, to make money. If you, and a lot of times, if you're not first, you're just a copycat. So, you know, you're, you're trying to catch up your number two or number three, and you, you might not have the market share you could have had. So I think that that's, you know, that's a key piece there. Uh, fortunately, you know, for what we're doing in the government space, you know, we're not, uh, you know, when we're supporting our customers, you know, in some sense, you know, they're a captured audience, right? Because we have a contract to perform work or whatever, but we still have to bring, you know, as part of the proposal process, we still have to bring those novel ideas to them uh, in the first place to to win that, right? To capture that work. So it's really challenging and you're under attack and people are exploiting zero days. Uh, so configuration management, patch management, vulnerability management, isolation or quarantine of high-risk assets or bifurcating the network so that they can't be easily exploited because they're just too vulnerable and can't be patched. Sounds like there's a lot of things we have to do today uh, vigilantly given the circumstances. Yes, and those are all, uh, that's good that you mentioned all of that because those are all, you know, fundamental pieces of uh, your vulnerability management program, right? You know, configuration management, change management, making sure you're documenting it your, uh, appropriately, making sure you're assessing the risk to implementing those configurations and those changes um, when you're addressing vulnerabilities, making sure that you're you're doing the testing beforehand to make sure that um, when you do implement those changes that you're not also breaking something or putting something else at risk as well. So those are key components. That's so important. Kamal, uh, one of the issues I've heard from a lot of your fellow CISOs is hiring dilemma. It's just a big challenge to find cybersecurity talent lately. And there's, I think, over half a million openings in the U.S. alone and growing daily. Do you struggle with that? Do you have any advice, ideas, tips for our viewers and listeners who might be in the same circumstances? Yeah, I think it's definitely um, a challenging environment right now. Um, but I think some of the things that we try to sell are potential um, new employees or, or candidates on um, is the type of work that we do that's exciting and challenging, 
Um, if you're talking about like on my on my cybersecurity team, um, you know, we're we're lean and mean. Uh, but what's nice is that you get to wear multiple hats. So if you want experience in a lot of different areas, um, you get to cover a lot of ground pretty quickly. Um, we also invest in our talent, um, you know, whether that's certifications, training, conferences. Uh, we try to keep up on the threats. Um, so, the, you know, all of those things are important. And I think it's important for our candidates to understand that, um, you know, when we hire them, yes, we're hiring for the for their talents, but we're also hiring them for their potential, um, and that we make and that we make investments in them along the way. And I think that that helps not only with the them wanting to join us, but also retain them, you know, down the line, right? So I, th I think that we have a very compelling story to tell in that in that regard. Kamal, is there anything you haven't shared that you'd like to with our viewers and listeners? Anything we haven't covered yet? Um, no, I think we covered everything that we said we uh, set out to discuss today. Um, if you're interested more about our company, LinkQuest, um, certainly check us out. There's a careers page. We have um, several openings, um, so you know, a few hundred openings. Some of them are strategic hires on contracts that we're about to win or we believe we will win. Uh, but we have many, many uh, current openings as well. So uh, please do check us out. Um, it's a very interesting company to work for. Very exciting work that we do. And as they say, <laughs> space is the final frontier. So folks, go to LinkQuest, check them out. Take Kamal Piskin, the Chief Information Security Officer's advice. If you want a job that's just dynamic and awesome at a company that really cares about your future and your potential and how to exploit your potential for yourself and for cybersecurity. You've been listening to Cyber Defense Radio. Stay tuned next time for another amazing and informative episode. CyberDefenseRadio.com is proudly part of the Cyber Defense Media Group, where InfoSec knowledge is power. Cyber Defense TV and Cyber Defense Radio have launched 24 by 7 by 365 live streams. Visit them online today at cyberdefense.tv and cyberdefense.radio with your host and globally recognized cybersecurity expert and my good friend, Gary Milewski.